Well, the sun did come up this morning. Hey, everybody. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in downtown Startwell. Decided to uh, get a little bit more coffee this morning like we did last week. And of course, it was a lot more fun last week. My coffee kind of sucks this morning, Charlie, to be quite honest with you. I've lost all taste and smell. Yeah, lying kind of out the door at Startwell Cafe. People middling around Main Street right now, uh, trying to get over last night. You know, last week we, we did this after the LSU win. And then uh, last night after the, uh, the the show, I asked Charlie, I said, should we do the, the coffee deal tomorrow? And you were like, absolutely. I mean, I think we lose all credibility if we don't only do it after, <laughs> after wins. It's a lot more fun after you win. Easier to wake up after a win. You got that right. Man, I slept hard last night. I'm telling you. Um, and I was kind of shaking the cobwebs this morning. You know, looking back, you know, the first question we always ask, is it as bad as it seems? Is it better than it seems? Or is, do you kind of feel like you did when you went to bed just a few hours ago? Um, I'm going to – I'm not going to lie. I, I actually feel better. And I'm a glass half empty sometimes kind of guy. Just looking at the game overall, Charlie, I don't think it was as bad as we – I don't think we played emotionally – physically as bad as we think I think it was just one of those nights where if it could go wrong it went wrong I think that's right and I think the thing that gives me a little bit of encouragement is the fact that if you go back there have been a lot of times in the past two decades where we just got beat and there was no scheme there was no improvement by any one player there was no nothing that was going to change the fact that we just got whipped well, we didn't get whipped last night. If you go through the stats, we outrushed them. We outpassed them. We outpunted them. We outtimed a possession them. That's a new phrase I'll have to work on. Hey, we had the ball 19 minutes in the first half. Yeah, I mean, they had it, what, one minute in the first quarter? Now it helps that we threw them a touchdown. But in any event, you go back and you look at it, it's not like we got just whipped up and down the field. We beat us. And to me, that's more correctable. And so if you're looking for reasons to feel a little bit better, the reason we lost that game, and perhaps the reason it's a little more disappointing, is the fact that we shot ourselves in the foot over and over and over again. As you step back from it and you look at this in the macro sense, we're fine as a team, but we got to get back to the practice field and fix us. Sometimes you need to get popped in the mouth a little bit. I it's mean, it's not we, you; it's me. Yeah, <laughs> we came out, and you know, it's it's not it's not the players' fault. It's not coach's fault. You come out against LSU. You know, LSU really didn't have a whole lot of you know film that they could put Costello in this system. I mean, and he re- was really good last week, and he went bad last night. I mean, overall, when you look at the overall stats, the stat lines are not bad. It's just it's the turnovers and. I want to drive home the point that that we used last night. You know, this loss is not only KJ Costello completely. I mean, this there's enough blame to go around. I thought we had a couple of problems. Number one, I thought there were times that we didn't take what the defense gave us quickly enough, and that was kind of the premise. You'll remember when we visited with Matt Wyatt back before the season started, and he talked about this offense. The deal was this: we're going to come to the line, we're going to take what they give us. We're not going through a bunch of reads and things like that. I thought there were a couple of times last night where we wanted it to be like the LSU game. And you had a defense giving you five yards. We really wanted 15. We wanted 20. And we didn't get it. And then the other thing is, and it goes back to your point about this isn't all on K.J. Costello, 
there were several times where he made the right throw and then mistakes were made after that. Yeah, you go back and you think of the third down play where we've got to get the first down. We complete the pass right at the sticks. You just got to fall forward a little bit and you've got a first down, but the receiver spins out trying to get more yardage, and now all of a sudden you're punting instead of keeping a drive alive. You know, you have a fumble punt. There just It was just one of those things. And Bart, you've got a son that plays baseball. I coached youth baseball for a number of years. And how many times do you go out there in one week, the team is great, they're doing outstanding, and the next week, just collectively, and we're talking at age 10, age 11, it's like, who are you? What is wrong with you guys? I thought last night we just had one of those, who are you? What's wrong with you kind of nights? <laughs> well, the thing about baseball, sometimes it's inning to inning. I mean, you you may look good in the third inning. You know, you may go out there in the third inning and strike out three in a row and man just wow who was that guy then you can go out there the next inning you hit three in a row i think sims has done that before i think he hit the first three batters of a game one time on three straight pitches and then struck out the next three i mean so that's what you're getting but just sending a message absolutely a little chin music but the thing charlie along those lines is we've both been on buses we both travel with teams i mean we've been around teams closely from a broadcast standpoint and you think about how many times you get on that bus or you go to that shoot-around practice or you go to that walk-through before and you say, you know what, we ain't got it. Today, Today's the day we ain't got it. And sometimes you say, hey, we ain't got it, and you come out and play like world beaters. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that's right. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that's the, the thing about sports, and I'll go back to the baseball example. There are a lot of days where you can roll out of bed thinking, I feel terrible. And you go out there and you go four for four at the plate. And other days you wake up hyped up, you're ready to go, and then you go over four. And that happens in football too. I mean, it happens as a quarterback, right? I mean, we talk all the time about Mike Leach's offense, about throwing strikes. And some days your command just isn't there. Some days your decision-making isn't there. And the other thing, Matt Wyatt made this point last night, and I thought it was a good one. You know, our angle of watching the game, our perspective and what we see, is very, very different than what the quarterback sees. Completely different. And a lot of those guys that we see clearly dropping into coverage and about to make the pick, they just can't see. And it could be that the right tackle's in the way. It could be all sorts of things. It could be you just don't see them. It's happening so fast. This is one of those days you just got to get back to the film room, and we got to fix us. And the thing about being a quarterback as well, it's a lot easier. This is crazy. It's a lot easier to throw against man because you know – based on your routes, where the defenders are going to be. You don't have anybody sitting back. You've got to throw to windows, and you're trying to find those open spaces. And we talked about it last week about how, you know, we hit our receivers in stride and allowed them to get upfield in a hurry. You can't do that against the zone. You can't. You just can't do it. I mean, and we talked about it on the post game last night. I mean, how many of those underneath, you know, plays did we throw last night where you make that, that toss, the guy catches it, and there's a defender right there. It's more of a settling instead of running full out on a slant. I mean, you've got to find those spots. And, hey, and we say it all – you know, we said it last week, and we, and we said it yesterday in the pregame show. The thing about seeing that massive zone, which you never see in the SEC, we saw Washington's defense last night. And no matter how much you run it in practice – 
when you see it for the first time, sometimes you're like, oh, okay, this is what you're talking about. This this is this is a space, okay, now I can drive the point home of, yeah, okay, this is where we're really looking to get that, that crossing route. The other thing that a zone defense does is it makes it harder to get yards after catch. If you think about playing LSU, their defensive backs were turning and running with the receivers. Think about Arkansas. Their eyes are forward as they're dropping in coverage. And so when the pass is thrown underneath and completed, they see it happening and they can rally to the football and make a tackle. When you're when you're turning and running with a receiver, you don't know that it was just completed under you. And that's why with the zone, it takes – now, look, the zone gives up. I mean, there's problems with the zone, right? You know, it leaves places open. You're not guarding everybody close, but what you got to do is put it in those places – I thought we were just a tad slow doing that last night. You know, the first thing you think of, and what we said in the pregame yesterday was, okay, if, if they sit back, well, we're, we're going to see if Mike Leach wants to run the football. He did. He did last night. And you didn't run it for just a ton of yards. Now, we ran I, it for more than they did. And the first thing people, you know, you want to make the excuse of, well, our top running back, the best running back in the Southeastern Conference, you know, looked like he went out of the game. He got popped pretty hard on that first run. But I tell you this, I thought our running backs ran well last night. I, I like some of these kids, man. I mean, I really like some of these youngsters. Dylan Johnson last night was like, okay. You know what I liked about Dylan Johnson? It was almost like Vic Ballard. He's always running north and south. That's he's, a great analogy. He's always looking that extra yard. You know, when you get hit for a gain of three, but you always get four, the guy, if you ever watch him get tackled, is always leaning north. It's like a compass. <laughs> I used to joke that J.J. Johnson's biggest attribute was getting two when there was nothing to be had. Yeah, He just didn't get zero. He didn't get pushed back. Kind of saw some of that last night. I think Ballard, that's a great comparison. And Jaquavius Marks. I mean, that kid's going to be good. The kid's going to be good. And some of these young receivers, so much of our offense last night ran through freshmen. Over half of it. Over Yeah, over half of it. You go back and look, Johnson and Marks, you know, they combined for 19 carries. They combined for, I think it was 18 catches. There were a ton of touches right there. And then throw in Wally, too. You know, he had six receptions. So there was a lot of youth out on that football field for Mississippi State. And that's not an excuse. I'm not saying we lost because we had youth on the field. I'm not even going to go as far as say we lost because Kylan Hill wasn't out. Look, Stingley was out for LSU last week, and I spent all week saying, Oh, no, you can't use that. So I'm not going to use that in return. I think the thing, though, is there is a lot of growth and improvement left to be had. This is not a football team that just isn't any good. You know, we get texts throughout ball games, and we have a lot of buddies <laughs> that are kind of ruthless. And I have one sent me a text last night that says, why in the world do we have a freshman back trying to catch a punt late in the game? And my reply back was, well, you didn't have a problem with him when he was running down the left sideline a while ago running that punt back. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Well, and, and then you add to that, too. Um, it's not as if when a guy gets hurt in college football, we're going to put a sign up that says, hey, Austin Williams is questionable for the rest of the game, just so everybody knows. A lot of times the use of players on the field is dictated by decisions that we don't know anything about. You know, I saw somebody on Twitter giving Kylan Hill a tough time for not being in the game. Kylan Hill didn't have a choice. Yeah. 
when Kylan Hill hit his head, that is a grab your helmet, take your pads, you're done. It doesn't matter how hard you go back to get back in the game. And a lot of those things go on through the game. They're not going to be advertised. They're not going to be talked about. But sometimes there are things that dictate who plays beyond just trying to shake things up. Okay, let's look at this from 10,000 feet. And going back to the point of I don't feel as bad because looking around college football, and I'm not making excuses because uh, let me tell you, I was as aggravated and frustrated last night as anybody, and you were too. But yeah, I'm still not happy. No, Let me be clear. no, not not I'm happy. Just... Not happy at all. And this is not a knock at the Mike Leach offense, but especially early on, you start thinking about eight teams in the top 25 knocked off yesterday, and you wonder about the parity in college football for this season. Heck, Iowa State lost to Louisiana Lafayette. Hey, now the Warrior Boy ran a kickoff back in that game. And then yesterday they go out and beat Oklahoma. Uh, Central Florida, they're done. <laughs> Tulsa beat them last night. I mean, you just look around college football and you're seeing more and more of those upsets, and you're going to see that all year long simply because of who may be out, who may not be out. But let me ask this question, and I, and I, I drew this comparison last night on the postgame show, and I, and I thought about it a little bit more. I, I love Rick Stansberry. Stansberry, the thing about Stansberry – is he's very good at relationships, and so if <laughs> he's kind of a he's a really interesting guy, and I love Rick. Uh, but I say that to say this: it almost almost felt like Rick Stansberry style of play because we went in and knocked off the defending national champions, and then you lose to Arkansas, who had lost twenty games in a row. Now let me get let's get this straight: LSU's not playing like the defending national champions, and Arkansas is not a team anymore that's lost 20 in a row. I mean, it's a completely different cast. But it's almost like the volatility. We're, we're going to knock some teams off. You watch the rest of the year. We're going to beat some teams that we're not favored to win, and we're, we, we, may, we may lose a game that you are favored to win. That just kind of seems like that's what's going to be 2020 in college football. Am I right? Am I yeah, wrong? I, I know there may be something to that. Um, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know. You know, to kind of to finish the point on Stansbury, you know, it was one of those things that when you showed up in the Humphrey Coliseum, you knew you could lose to Belmont and you could beat Kentucky. <laughs> you knew you were going to be in every ball game. I think our offense right now gives us a chance to beat anybody, anybody in the country, because you've got a chance to go out and score some people. And it gives you a chance to lose to some people if – the decision-making and the execution isn't bad. You know, I go back to last night. One of the things that I'd heard, you know, from a few people is we came out flat. We didn't come out ready. I don't know that our system yesterday suffered from a lack of emotion or a lack of intensity. I think it suffered just from a lack of execution. We just didn't make right decisions. We didn't make the right plays. Defense, look, you know, you think about where does emotion really show up. It's typically on the defensive side. And you know what? We were pretty good. We gave up two touchdowns defensively. You can live with that. Yeah, broken coverages, you know, miscommunication. There were big plays. Um, but you come back with another goal line stand. Yes. And then when you look at the last drives, you know, after that opening drive for Arkansas in the second half, it was nothing. And it was a ton of three and outs and four, maybe five play type drives. And we were getting the football back. You know, what, were your, what was your thought when Arkansas went ahead 21-7? to Mine was, I don't know if we can get enough stops the rest of the way. 
to get this done. And we got to stop from then on out. I mean, we didn't give up anything. Arkansas had a 75-yard drive on that first drive of the second half and did nothing, zip, nothing the rest of the way. Um, and I wonder, do we need to adjust our thinking on our defense? Are they better than we thought, or do we just need to withhold judgment for now? I think they they play hard. They play hard. And I think that, that covers up any lack of experience. Um because let's be honest, I think they're good. I think they're better than what we thought. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I was worried about stops. Period. And now, I mean, I'm like, okay. I mean, this is no knock on the guys who are out there, but we don't have the dudes we had a couple of years ago on the defensive side. I think we are performing way above expectation right now. We have guys playing. I won't say playing better than they are, but we have guys playing better than anybody thought they were going forward. Now all of a sudden you play Kentucky, and you know the you know, Kentucky Ole Miss went up and down the field on Kentucky yesterday. What what's the thought going forward? Okay, hey Arkansas laid the blueprint. I mean here's the here's the blueprint. But let me tell you this, Arkansas when you start looking at their linebackers, you know Bumper Pool had twenty tackles last night. Yeah, the other guy had fifteen. The way they funnel everything to their their linebackers, let me tell you, Arkansas that kind of fits what they want to do. I mean, if if I'm Barry Odom, I mean, Barry Odom is a heck of a defensive coordinator. Did not have a whole lot of success. Missouri's tough to win at. But, hey, when Gary Pinkle had it rolling up there, I mean, here's the guy on the defensive side. He was getting stops on the defensive side at Missouri with Missouri talent. That wasn't that great. And now this guy comes out as a defense coordinator for Arkansas. Their personnel fits. They had three defensive linemen who were pretty good. You know what I'm saying? They were above average last night. They were better than average. But their linebacking core, what's the thing you got to have out of your linebacking core? You don't have to have the big hits as you a tackle. You've got to tackle. And they did it all night long. Absolutely. Night and day compared to what we saw a week ago in terms of guys being able to get up the field after they caught the football. So then you ask yourself the question, can other teams have as much success – as Arkansas had dropping eight, rushing three down linemen. Is that Kentucky's mold? Is that Texas A&M's mold? Are they going to be able to follow? Because it's easy to say, well, they gave us a footprint. They, I mean, but let me tell you this. Just because you see Princeton cut up UCLA, doesn't it mean Mississippi State's going to come out and start running the Princeton offense. That's exactly right. I think particularly on defense, we start falling in love with the idea that scheme is what matters hey, we're running a four-man front, therefore. Hey, we're dropping eight, therefore. But it still has a lot to do with the eight you're dropping. And it still has a lot to do with those linebackers because if they can't tackle, it doesn't matter that they're in the right place. And the other thing about it is this. If you go back and you look, Arkansas spent the summer in a 3-2-6 at times. They spent the summer working in a 4-2-5. So what they did last night, the whole idea of dropping those guys wasn't something they drew up in the dirt on Monday to get ready for Mississippi State. That's who they are. Yeah, you can't just change a defensive system overnight and say, you know, hey, we're used to putting eight in the box, but now we're going to – I mean, you can, but it's not going to be any more effective than if Mike Leach decided he was going to run the wishbone tomorrow. I am going to be surprised. I am going to be completely surprised, and I've been surprised before. I didn't have a good feeling about yesterday. 
I really didn't. I thought I thought we would come out. I mean, I, I think this, like you said, Charlie, I think this offense is less based on emotion more than it is just execution. And I think it was just one of those things you just didn't have any confidence. You throw the pick six early, not as much giving you less confidence, but giving Arkansas more confidence that they could get stops on the defensive side. Going forward, I'm gonna have I'm gonna be very surprised if we don't put up some yards, but put up a lot of points in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, cause look, we'll be back on the practice field today, and we'll be back at work getting them getting some things cleaned up. And look, I, we'll be okay. And you ask yourself the question about the health of Callan Hill. Yeah, that's a big question. I mean, that's going forward. I mean, that's that's a legitimate concern. Because as much as I love what the freshman did, I want him. I would like for them to kind of bake another year. You know, have right. some time. Going back to the the game atmosphere, how surreal was that? I mean, it, it just felt weird. It didn't feel like a spring game. People were like, "Man, it's going to be like a spring game." It didn't feel like a spring game. Students were into the game, and there was there was some atmosphere. It was just different. Yeah, you know, you get the piped in crowd noise. I mean, even there was like a, a white noise, you know, just kind of in the background. Was that like a dog barking? I mean, somewhere in there. Somewhere in the – I mean, it was, was that being played? There was a dog barking in the in a radio broadcast, and somebody was talking about it at home in the TV broadcast. I mean, it sounded like a, you know, German Shepherd barking in the background. <laughs> anyway. Um, but it was just it was just surreal. And, and I go back to the point, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to think. I mean, playing at home – um, and yeah, there was some crowd to it. As a player, you just wonder what that's like. You know, you're so geared on emotion. Normally, you're normally just geared on emotion. And you know, Danny Warfel used to say the greatest feeling in sports that he ever had was the silence of Neyland Stadium. And you hear LSU guys talk about the how loud Tiger Stadium is and how great it is to run out of that tunnel and be on the defensive side, and it's loud. We're the same way. We have a loud atmosphere with cowbells, and they put them all up when, you know, when the team gets over the ball. But you just wonder, from an 18- to 22-year-old standpoint, from a mentality standpoint, how tough is it to go out there and and perform when you're looking at a lot of empty seats? Yeah, uh, I get that. I, I still go back to the idea, though, I don't know that yesterday's loss was because – we weren't emotionally involved. I think we just didn't execute and made bad decisions more than anything else. That reminds me of going to the Anaheim Coliseum, or was it the Anaheim Arena? It was one of those two. It was like a little small place outside of Disney World, and we were playing basketball out there. It was in 2008. No, 2007. It was the fall of 2007. I watched the Derek Pegues punt return at Press Row. We were playing Southern Illinois in basketball, and John Cater, our IT guy in the athletic department gave me a feed, a link, and I watched the Jumbotron feed from Press Row in Anaheim, California. That was the day Pegues ran the punt back, and that was also the day in practice that Charles Rhodes asked Ben Hansbro, where in Missouri is Southern Illinois? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you talk about kind of adjusting to the crowds. Maybe, you know, maybe we should rely on some resources you know, within the state, you know, Southern Miss has been been playing in empty stadiums for years. Maybe we could hire somebody as a consultant or something. Yeah, but I go back to that point of there was nobody in the stands, and our guys were like, I mean, this is this is just weird. I mean, it's, it's just weird. 
But I, see, well, I, I it, see your knock on Southern Miss, and that's a popular me, thing. To, my mom and my brother went to Southern Miss, okay? All right? I, my, I, and I, I take great offense to what you just said about the mustard buzzards. Yeah, they probably got three diplomas when they left instead of one. <laughs> just threw a few more in the car as they stopped. <laughs> hey, so, but let me say this, though. Kind of different than the crowd issue. I think one of the things that we have to take into account is this is a weird year. Eligibility isn't running on guys. I mean, if you think about it, it's somebody at the end is going to be crowned a champion, but it's going to be strange because we're going to have teams play a couple of weeks and then not play. We're going to have outbreaks. We're, I mean, look, we've seen it. We've seen games canceled, postponed. I mean, we're we got seeing a, it in the NFL. Got a tweet last night that the Saints had somebody. I mean, I haven't even seen the news this morning. Are the Saints going to play today? Well, now they're saying it may be a false positive, but on the other hand, the Titans are now up with like eight guys who have it and eight staff members. And so – and. It's just going to be a strange year. It's Nobody is going to do, and I'm not going to do what I'm about to suggest, but to some degree, don't you just have to take 2020 with a grain of salt and have just a little bit. I'm not saying it's your overriding feeling, but don't you just have to have a little bit of, hey, I'm glad we're playing, and let's just see what we can do, and you just kind of take it week to week. It's hard not to get emotionally involved because that's what we're used to doing. Because we got our hopes up, didn't we? Man, we did. And I'll tell you what, we were nowhere near as arrogant last night on the postgame show. <laughs> we calmed it down a little bit. Uh, it was more me. I'm not sure there's a, a verse or two in Proverbs about uh, humility, about <laughs> about God bringing people back down to earth. And, uh, you know, a lot, what's the popular thing to say is, you know, after a loss like this, well, we sat around reading our press clippings. I don't think that was it as much. I think we faced a new defense. You know why? Nobody reads the paper anymore. Well, there is that. <laughs> They're busy on Twitter. Uh, but, you know, I think it was just about execution and not playing that well. By the way, let me say this. Uh, it has been really rewarding to have people reach out to us and talk to us. I, mean, I get a lot of messages about our podcast, about our radio show, and got a lot of feedback about the Sunday morning episode. I was walking into the ball game last night, and somebody stopped me and talked about it. And and what he said, I hadn't thought about this. He said, uh, look, you know what? I haven't given you guys a rating. Uh, He said, I'm going to log on tomorrow and do that. Um, But we do want your feedback. We've got an email address. What's our email address, Bart? (laughs) Leftfieldshow at gmail.com. Yeah, and we're on Twitter, at Bart and Charlie. Here's the thing. We do want feedback. We appreciate everybody who's listened. And I especially appreciate people who give us feedback, good or bad. I I went in the bathroom last night in the restroom, and a guy's – Stop me, me walking out and says, "Hey, man, I I like y'all stuff. I really like y'all stuff, and I appreciate y'all doing it. It's just content. Everybody's looking for content, and you know we kind of take a different approach. Um, you know, we just, you know, we're just two guys who've been there for a long time, and and you know sometimes it's you know we we try to put things in perspective. You know, we have a we have a show we do on Thursday nights, and man, I tell you what, you, you can't we can't thank our friends at WFCA one hundred seven point nine. It's a hundred thousand watt station in the state of Mississippi, it covers about a third of the state, <clears throat> and they allow us to to put it on that uh, station on Thursday nights. And you know, we have great sponsors: Farm Bureau, Country Pleasing Sausage, and uh, Cannon Ford of Startville. You know, and we're not you know we're not trying to give those guys credit and. Just because, I mean, those guys are, are friends of ours, and they do such a great job of of you know being a part of the communities that they're a part of. And I tell you, it's uh, it's been a real rewarding. And so, out of left field is the name of our podcast, of course. And make sure you hit subscribe. You 
pop up the new show. And like you, like Charlie said, give us a rating. And uh, if, if you don't like it, I mean, there's a one star there. Don't hit it. I mean, yeah. I, I, we'd, re, we'd rather you tweet us or, or text us or, or email us. You don't have our, our – well, a lot of you fools out there do have my cell phone number. But uh, – Anyway, it's and, it's been a lot of fun, and we're going to continue to do it. And, and I want to make one more point, and that is this. If it seems like we're being apologists this morning, no, man, I hurt just as bad as anybody. I'm disappointed I didn't sleep well. My coffee doesn't taste as good. I'm not very happy. What I'm trying to do, though, is uh, just take a step back and view this not in the micro level of just one game, but the but the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is not all is lost. We go win at Kentucky, and we'll feel pretty good. You could have brewed your coffee in toilet water last week and it tasted good. And it was <laughs> it was terrible this morning. No Keurig in town's gonna make good coffee today. Nope, not at all. Hey, appreciate y'all listening. We're gonna try to keep these around thirty minutes or less on Sunday mornings. And uh once again, if you have any questions, tweet us at Bart and Charlie, email us leftfieldshow at gmail dot com. And we'll see you guys on Thursday night when we'll be previewing the Kentucky Wildcats of Mississippi State. We had to come up with a good guest. We had a good guest this past week, Rick Neuheisel. He was awesome. He's great. I mean, he was awesome. Sometimes, you know, when you call these guys, you're wondering, okay, are they going to be emotionally engaged? Do they really care about talking to two guys in Mississippi? I mean, he was awesome. And you could was, understand why an athletic director would talk to that guy and say, I want him to be my coach. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was good. Who did we have a couple weeks ago? We had Ross Dellinger a couple weeks ago talk about LSU. we got to find a good one for Kentucky. Hey, if you have any suggestions, let us know. At Bart and Charlie, leftfieldshow at gmail.com. We kind of think we know who we're going to get anyway. But anyway, let us know who you think we ought to get. And it's not going to be John Calipari, I can tell you that. (laughs) All right, guys, appreciate you hanging out with us here on a Sunday morning. Uh, We'll see you guys on Thursday night for the real edition of Out of Left Field.